Hi, everyone. The following podcast is a direct message network and podcast one production. We are directly to your favorite stars. Hey, listeners, looking for an affordable way to go back to school? National University is investing $30 million in new scholarships. For 50 years, National University has pioneered achievable higher education. Today, NU offers over 75 100% online degree programs and flexible four-week class schedules that let you start sooner and finish faster. National University. Classes start monthly. Apply for your scholarship today at nu.edu. This is Adulting Like a Mother Father. Thanks for tuning in to learn more. We applaud you. Now sit back, relax. So baby, keep it pushing while we have a couple laughs. And maybe get a little mushy. But don't forget to take a deep breath. Adulting can be hard sometimes. Just take the next step. Pick the right foot up and put it in front of the left. You do this over and over and you'll be ahead of the rest. And let me introduce you to the star of the show, Daniela Monet. I bet you probably heard her say, Chicago, Chicago. Well, now she's all grown up and got a little baby boy. His name is Gio. Dang, what a bundle of joy. We're a tribe of three, but we're building a community. So come along. It's time for some adulting. What's up, mother father? Oh, how about that energy? <laughs> What's up, mother fathers? Welcome back to Adulting Like Mother Father. I'm Danielle Monet, the mother. And I'm just Andrew, the father. <laughs> Wait, did I not... Do I usually say my full name? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going with something new this week. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and this is a show all about adulting. So if you're an adult or just trying to be one. This is the show for, for you. For you. Um, okay. So let's let's jump in. What a day. How, um, I mean, if you're listening and it's a Tuesday. What a day. Well, no. I mean, like, it's just there's a lot to cover. <laughs> yeah, so I guess you excited. could say what a day. We're, we're halfway through. I'm excited about our guest. Um, very. Very excited. I'm excited for everyone to just hear his story. We've got Chris Harder on the show. He is just a money guru and someone I think that could really add value to boy, the way. boy, what a comeback story. That's what I'm saying. His he, story. He blew my mind with our conversation. Yeah, it's super interesting and very motivating. And we alluded to this in the last week's episode. And I think actually after we recorded this, I was like, my mind was blown for probably an entire week. And I feel like we've made decisions based off of our conversation that we probably wouldn't have done. Yeah. So anyways, we'll I feel like that. I feel like his ideas align with mine. You know, he's much further along in his life and yeah. progression. But uh, I appreciate the conversation, Chris, if you're listening to this, uh, because I feel like it it like switched your brain and your oh, thinking. Me. A bit, yeah, for you sure. Know what I mean, and it's brought us closer in the way we look at things. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I want to put it simply. If you're into money, making money and comeback stories. You need to to stay on for the conversation with Chris. Yes, very much so. Um, Let's do a little adulting win and fail action to catch people up on how the week has been. Why don't you go first? Okay, so I have a lot of adulting wins. um, And because we're kind of on the topic of like business, I feel like I just want to acknowledge that um, what? Nothing. Oh, okay. You're looking at me like no, nodding your, your head. Just your mom's uh, wind chime <laughs> phone notifications. <laughs> Anyone who has a ring on their house, like the ring. Oh, that's what it is. That's what that I is. It's a it notification like for text. every time someone like walks past her front door. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That's gotcha. why it's on all the time. Um, so okay. God, it's getting a little breezy in here, huh? It feels good. 
the the win for me is I just got off a um, Zoom investors meeting with our Sugar Taco crew. Yeah, very cool. And that cool. was very powerful and exciting. And there's a lot going on in that um, like neck of the woods. And I'm very pumped on it all. Yeah. And then Kinder Beauty's trucking along. We are doing something really exciting in terms of kind of leveling up. We have a lot of good projects um, in the future that I think people are going to be pumped on that can apply to all different. Can I just say this? Kinder Beauty is explosive right now, and it should be. I've said this since day one. You've probably heard me say this on the podcast before. If you're into beauty, and I like. I could be ignorant. I just think most girls are into beauty in some capacity. It's it's like a self-care box, I like to say, because yeah. it's not just like you're not going to open it. And so have it's for like... people like me. Too. <laughs> That's what... It actually yeah. is. You yeah, know, um, is. I got turned on to some of the mists. No, we know. I'm pretty sure you had this exact conversation in our last episode. Yeah, maybe the one before that and the one before that. Anyways, the whole point is if you're into it, like it's just an awesome product and uh like the value, which is what, what I care about is just out of this world. Which is funny because as much as I think that the value is what we should lead with, that's not People what our community much, cares huh? about, which is so cool. I don't get it. They care so much more about the fact that we like donate and that we're trying to make conscious decisions and work with partners that are doing really cool things for animals and the planet. And then anyway, so long story short, business wise, things feel like they're in a really, really strong place. Relationship wise. Uh, Hold on one oh. second. And and that's uh I mean, from my perspective, that's a big win for you because I feel like through our journey with having geos so far and just trying to manage time and find time for our projects, uh and kind of beauty is one that takes up a lot of your time. Like it's a very active thing. It's there's stuff going on every single day, uh, all day. Mm-hmm. And for that to to like be just trucking forward like it is, um, I think is a major win. And I think you're finding more time to dedicate to it and more quiet time that you can disappear and have your conversations, shoot your emails back and forth, everything you need to do in a business sense. And I just think like that's a win for you. It's felt liberating, (laughs) but also like I wouldn't be doing that if we didn't implement this like schedule that we're doing between the two of us. And also with geo now sort of leveling up in his life (laughs) and feeling like he's a little more predictable and like taking strong naps and you know almost communicating with us in certain ways that we can like better understand what his needs are yeah he now says he says dada dad snack ball and uh, jake jake but it's more like jack (laughs) but anyways that's all just so good like all of that helps so much in order to like feel present and be able to like handle the different sectors of your life Well, because here's the thing you need balance yeah to feel your best like you cannot put all your eggs in one basket no and although you know raising a child is amazing and it's challenging and all that like if you're only doing that I guarantee that you're lacking a bit mentally. Well, it's it's like anything else. You'll burn out. If you're only doing one thing, there's, yeah. it's likely that you'll burn out and you can't be the best of your ability in that like category. Sure. I was feeling that way. Like I will be completely honest. Like there have been many times with Geo, you know, where I've felt overwhelmed and underwhelmed and bored and busy, like all at the same time and not fulfilled. Um, and I, I don't know if that's going to be received well, because I'm sure a lot of moms listening, maybe not, uh, won't agree with me. I think 
everybody agrees with that yeah i mean it just felt like where was the reward you know like where did i i mean there were little ones the reward is like you know what i i saw the best video today i don't know if anybody saw there's this guy i think his name is christopher kyle on instagram he had a post go viral where he was promoting this fake little play uh cafe like shop or kitchen that his daughter built like think of like uh, little toys that make up a kitchen. You okay, know? yeah. And he had this whole review on what she served him, and it went viral. It was a funny thing. Aww. Um, but he posted a video today of another guy walking with his little girl and talking about all these guys that reach out saying that it, it, how cool it is to be a dad, and all they see are those the cute yeah. pictures, the cute moments, and whatever. And like that is your upside, but there's a whole like downside is a tough word, but just call it a downside for ease here. Mm -hmm. There's a whole downside that like you have to know is the reality of being a parent Mm -hmm. and is challenging and takes a lot of work. And the, this guy, the post is a video of the guy talking and he's like, we're able to give you all the cute stuff because we've done so much work on all the other stuff and it's day in and day out. How do you feel about, Actually, this is kind of just a general question for anyone listening, especially those who are parents. Um, I'm curious how people feel about those like mom blogger accounts that like make everything look so easy it's and not beautiful that. and no I know and I, I I go back and forth because I get stuck going down the rabbit hole of those accounts and like going oh my gosh it's so cute or look at them in their outfits or whatever it may be but like I look at my life and I'm like that is so far from my reality mm-hmm. so far but okay everybody should be able to use their brain at this point you should know that nothing is exactly how you see it on Instagram yeah, or of course. Uh, Twitter, or Pinterest, anything else. Right? Yeah, totally. And that, that holds true for us too. Like you might see a, a cute picture of you or a cute picture of the family or me with Gio or whatever. And honestly, who knows what the conversation was like between you and I 10 seconds before the picture was taken. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Ain't that the truth? I think it's in a way it's, it's great that people put out only positive content because you need something to uplift yourself once in a while, just something to, uh, to strive for, to reach for. Mm -hmm. But you have to know that we're all just human. Yeah. totally. So when you see somebody's feed look perfect, there's no way that that's what it's like in reality. No, I know that. I just think that like, sometimes it can, at least for me, like it can make me feel down on myself when I'm in that frame of mind. Like if I'm tired or I feel like Gio's in a funk or something, I'm like, wait, why is this so much more hard for me? I think that me? is, by and large, the largest negative effect of social media no, is the comparison yeah. factor. Totally. Yeah. Well, there's that. Um, so that was your... That <laughs> was a long-winded, very win. What's your fail? Um, my fail was... Um, my fail is like a whole nother thing, but like I just feel like... I don't know. Like there's just always some sort of like growth that's like, I'm trying to grow as a human being and I'm like struggling to like figure out the ins and outs of like my own mind and where my actions stem from. And Mm -hmm. I think I struggle with, um, probably things that like I went through as a kid and in turn that affects who I am and in a relationship. And I felt Mm -hmm. like I was in this like turmoil for 24 hours of just like swimming in my thoughts and feeling like I was suffering of like 
not understanding how to get out of this funk and that like it was destroying us and it has been and I just I'm like literally diary of the mouth right now but that is my fail because 24 hours of seven days of a week like that that one day is going to stick out in my head for a long time the fact that I just let myself sink and feel to put it in context and- for people like we won't go too deep into it we can have a conversation about it in another episode or somewhere else but we had this this long talk about things that have been bothering us and a lot of it came from me like I was just really frustrated with a handful of things and we had this long talk at night and like you really didn't express much to me you kind of clam up when we have conversations like that so I didn't get much from you I didn't know that like anger was the emotion that you were feeling or Mm -hmm. one of the main ones and long story short she woke up the next morning like I didn't know that night when we went to bed she didn't really say anything in the morning and then she just didn't talk to me all day long all day and that is like for me like just to be avoided or ignored or like just not addressing anything I find it so challenging because I just feel like at this point in my life like there's no there's no space for miscommunication or misunderstanding like it's just so much easier I don't I don't care if you're frustrated or angry or there's something bothering you like I would just rather have you tell me and then we can deal with it so much faster rather than wasting time. And I'm just so tired of wasting time. No, I, you know, I get it. And I like beat myself up over wasting an entire day because not only is it not good for us or our environment or geo or our home or whatever, but it's like selfishly, it's not even good for my own health, no. you know? So it's like, I was doing no good. I was getting nowhere. You just having like internal dialogue yes, all day long, all day and long. Going through so many different emotions when all you have to do is open your mouth and, yeah. and express those thoughts to yeah. me. And then we can come to a conclusion so much faster in the moment though. It seems like it's impossible because if I were to do that, that would then show that I was willing to like get over it. And I wasn't willing to get over it because Mm. I was so triggered. You like to bathe in that stuff. It's so sick. That's why I don't know why this happens. Like I looked up self-sabotage. I looked up, um, avoidance and I was literally going down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out why someone would do this. Did you figure it out? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes back to like things that happened to you as a kid. Sorry. I'm going to just check on Gio real quick. More adulting like a mother father when we come back. Did you know that right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's 15% on top of the money Geico could already save you. (laughs) So... What are you waiting for? Your dog to make breakfast in bed with Belgian waffles and a fresh fruit compote? As nice as that sounds, that's probably never going to happen. But at least there's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Visit Geico.com to learn more. And now back to adulting like a mother father. Okay, sorry, we're back. Um, You know mom stuff I had to walk out there and um honestly it I'm just annoyed right now because I walked out and felt like (laughs) my mom was letting Gio just sit in his little high chair thing with like no food no snacks no toys nothing while she was getting some work done and he was like irritated because he's why is he sitting in his high chair with nothing in front of him (laughs) 
oh gosh, I just wanted 20 minutes. That's all. Can you just watch him for 20 minutes, you know? No, it's why hard. Why is that so hard sometimes? It's hard. This Look, is why I can't. He's also not anybody's kid but ours. You I know. know. what I mean? Like the, the care why I don't like and the attention will never be the same from anybody else as it is from us. I know. I There's know. That's one thing you learn as a, a new parent is you definitely do things differently than your parents. And like that's a whole dynamic to navigate. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because they also think that, except for the ones that are checked out a bit, but the ones that think that they still got it, yeah, they did it so differently different. for you. And totally. you both have the same loving intention, but at the end of the day, like times change, the way we do things change, uh, food that we serve changes. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole thing that you have to navigate now too. It's ruthless you sometimes, know? okay? I have to like come down right now from... But, um, let's, all right, let's, let's move let's on. Let's wrap things up. Yeah, yeah, I have a Be- win fail real quick. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. So the win is, I don't know if you caught Daniela mentioning the schedule that we put in place. We tried to do this like months back and it did work, but we just got off it so fast for whatever reason. But we sat down, we talked about how can we use our time more efficiently? Like we both need our time for, for our work projects, working out everything. Like we need to be complete humans. So, um, if you're struggling with time management and you have little ones at home uh, and it's just, you know, you and your partner and you're trying to do everything, what we did was just split up the time. So we literally put it on our shared calendar. I have first thing in the morning, which is like 6.30 to 8 or 7 to 8 mm-hmm. after you feed them. Then you get an hour to yourself and then I get uh, 8 to 10.30, mm-hmm. I think, to like work or work out, whatever I have to do, which is usually work in the morning. And then I get him back from 1030 to 1230 Mm -hmm. and that gives you that window. Yep. And then we switch again and then uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. We kind of do like a combination. It's like whatever the other one needs. Needs, Yeah. And then we have like, I start reading. Well, we have dinner first for him. He eats at five and then you start books at five 45. And then he's in the shower with me at like six ish. And then he's in bed no later than 630. And it's really worked well for all of us. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he is thriving. Yeah. I think we're all he doing gets better. Good focus time with each of us. And he knows what's coming, which I think is so important for kids. I fought this for a long time. Like I didn't want to be committed to a routine cause I didn't want to lose sight of like our life and spontaneity, but we still manage to like go to the one place we go to during a pandemic is my yeah. aunt's house. But like, that's a nice little getaway. So it's like, if you add just a tiny bit of, you know, variety, yeah then the routine actually is really functional. Yeah, 100%. So if you're struggling, give it a try. It's, it's working well for us for like, what, a week in? Yeah. Maybe two weeks in? Yeah. Um, so there's that. So my that's my win. My fail um, is that Jake had some issues this week. He all of a sudden like blew up in hives. I thought they were, I got a bunch of mosquito bites the other night and I thought maybe he just had a bunch and then it went from like what looked like 20, which is a lot to uh, like a hundred little bumps. And then probably more than that. I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't think those are mosquito bites. So he had some sort of reaction. We don't know exactly why, uh, nothing's really changed. Food hasn't changed. Um, yeah, that's about it. The vet said that it's probably an environmental thing. So either there's something blooming right now, there's pollen in the air, or maybe he got stung by a, a spider. Spiders don't sting, do they? What? They bite. No. They bite. Or a you bee. You probably got a bee sting. Yeah. A stung. Um, so, yeah. So, that's 
it's just another adulting thing you just got to deal with. Yeah, you I know? guess I'm rambling here, huh? Yeah, I almost fell asleep. <laughs> Gosh. Can we get to the good stuff? Let's get to the good stuff. Okay, let's take a really, really quick break and let's come back with Chris Harder because this is someone you need to hear from today. Cool. All right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father. Oh, so cool. Well, thanks for coming on our show. Seriously, my pleasure. It's going to be fun. Yay. Good, good, good. So this is Andrew. Um, we have this show, Adulting Like a Mother Father. We talk about all things uh, pertaining to adulthood, which I'm sure you're a professional at. Um, Best title ever, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah. So you want to jump right in? Yeah. Cool. So uh, I would I would call you a personal finance whiz, wizard, expert. Um, I want to jump into personal finance because, you know, obviously with everything going on in the world right now, this is a great time for people to reevaluate where they stand from a personal financial health perspective. Um, I was, I was looking at some of the stuff that was sent over for you and a few things caught my eyes. One, uh, apparently you've read 30 books in 30 days and you oh, uncovered yeah. Okay. What's the Can secret I, that you uncovered? Uh, so this is, I, I got to give you the backstory quick if I may. So uh, Lori, my wife, she was on an absolute rocket ship. I mean, she was doing everything it took to uh, be crushing it in business and personally and physically and everything. And I was just kind of stuck in good. You know when life is good, but it's not like extraordinary. You're, you're, there's so much that you're leaving on, on the table that you could be doing. That's where I was. And the problem is we've always heard good is the enemy of great. And listen, if I'm really being honest, I recognize that if Lori stayed on this rocket ship, and I just kind of stayed down here doing what it took to be good, that we're going to wake up one day and have this massive gap in our relationship that wasn't going to work. And we were sitting, here's when it really hit me. We were sitting across the table on date night at a restaurant together. And she was telling me about these exciting new people she met in this exciting collaboration and this exciting opportunity. And I remember sitting there thinking, why does it always have to be so exciting? Like what's wrong with just the way things are? Yeah. And it hit me like, what is wrong with me that I'm being resentful of this person I love because they are up to really big things. And so I started looking for a, a way to kind of up-level my game and snap me out of this funk of good. And I know it might be weird hearing that good is a funk, but it really can be. And um, I came across, you guys probably know Ty Lopez. I didn't know Ty Lopez at the time, but remember that old cheesy ad he had where he's in his garage, he shows his car and his books. Yes. Well, he, he says, so he says, Hey, here's all the books. This is what it means the most to me. I read a book a day every single day. And I'm like, if this guy can be successful and read a book a day every single day, then I could probably read 30 books in 30 days. Now I have to tell you, I had not read and finished an adult book cover to cover uh, since I got booted out of college at that point. Wow. So this was not like a, I can do it. No problem. I was the guy that would read a page five, 10 times and not be able to tell you what was on it. Like I couldn't yep. concentrate. So um, this was a big feat. It stewed in me for about a week. And I finally went to Lori and I said, babe, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to read 30 books in 30 days. And it's because I just feel like there's this next level I need to tap into. And she never said anything in terms of like, thank God, or finally, but I saw the relief in her face. And sure enough, we laid out the first 10 books. I didn't know what all 30 were going to be. We laid out the first 10 books, cleared my schedule, committed to it. And halfway through, these 30 books, uh, I leaned over to Lori, we we're in bed, I was finishing it. And she said, uh, or I said, babe, you're not gonna believe this. But so far, all of these books that have all different agendas, matter of fact, my criteria was two things, it had to be less than 300 pages, so I could finish it. And it had to develop me in some way. So seven steps of this, how to this spiritual, whatever. 
And I said, babe, you're not gonna believe this, but all these books, despite having different agendas, they all have one common thread. And so far it's giving, like giving is the secret to mm. whatever they're trying to sell me. So I kept an eye on this common thread and sure enough, giving held true through all 30 out of 30 books. And it was the biggest confirmation. It felt like I, I struck gold in this, this secret, so to speak, that no matter what you want in life, giving is the secret to it. And if you think about it, I guess it makes sense. So want a better relationship, give more time, give more presence, give more effort, want a better business, give more to your business, give more to your customers, want a better body, give a better nutrition. So it makes sense, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks that no matter what the agenda was, giving is going to be a big piece of getting you there. And that's, that just confirmed this kind of generosity that's always been a big piece of, of what we do and how we live. Yeah. I, I find that so interesting because there's no, I a hundred percent understand what you're saying and there's no, it's, it's a weird thing because there's no science behind it, but there's an energy around giving where things come back to you in abundance, right? Yep. There really is. And, and you shouldn't give to get, but it's just the way the world works. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's ingrained, like you said, there's no science behind it, but I think it's really just ingrained in the way that people show up when they're giving. It makes other people want to do business with them. It makes other people want to collaborate with them. It makes other people want to be around a giver. And so on a very basic level, I think it makes sense that people would be more attracted to either buy from you or do business with you or partner with you uh, when they see that your soul on a regular basis is one that's based around giving. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I need to know, um, you said you laid out the first 10 books. What was the very first book that you chose and why? Tuesdays with Maury. I had no reasoning behind it. Uh, my buddy said, hey, you got to read this. It, it, you know, it's life changing. And so that was my very first book. And every single year now in March, I reread that book. Because, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It, have you guys read it? No. Okay. It is a great read. It's a true story. And it reminds you what's really important in life okay. when you're going through the hustle. You know, what really matters in life. And I'll tell you, um, my dad just passed away. He was like my best friend. We were so close. And he just passed away six weeks ago. And that book that I read probably five years ago now when I read 30 books in 30 days, that book changed the way I prioritize things. And I started prioritizing things. Boy, I've never connected these dots before till right now. I started prioritizing things like bike rides in the morning when my parents lived out. So my parents live in Wisconsin summer out here in winter. So bike rides over the workouts I wanted to be doing because it was time spent with mom and dad. Yeah. Dog walks when I had something else to be doing. Dinners when I had something else to be doing. And if I'm really being transparent for anyone who needs to hear this, so many of these things were seemingly insignificant in the time and even a burden sometimes. And it crushes me to say that, but let's just be real. Like sometimes it's a burden to fit in that dinner, fit in that dog walk, fit in whatever it is with your family. And now because I made those things a priority and because I was hyper-focused around them, because the book is a lot about what really matters to you. When my dad passed away wildly unexpectedly six weeks ago, I can tell you the one gift that I have is that I have no regret and no resentment around, I could have tried harder. I could have made more of an effort. I could have made it more of a priority. Instead, my only regret right now is that it didn't last longer because he was only 72 and healthy and vibrant. So if there's a message here at all, based on that very first book that I read, and then unfortunately having the hindsight uh, of looking back on what's important, I will tell you, make it 
a hyper intentional priority um, to set that busy life aside and create memories with your loved ones, no matter who they are, because nothing's guaranteed tomorrow. And the greatest gift that I could have been given was one of not having this regret of like, I waited too long. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Uh, first of all, sorry for your loss, but uh, oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's really powerful. Yeah. Thank um, you. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that you don't have any regret around the effort that you made with him and the rest of your family. And I think that's a strong thing. I, I imagine a lot of people when they lose loved ones, that is a regret that they have. So yeah. appreciate oh, you bringing that to life. Yeah. Thank you. And listen, I didn't want to like bring the energy down, but it's such an important message, right? Think about it. We're so busy. You guys are so successful and busy. And, and everyone I know, you know, we all run in a like-minded circle that is busy and successful. I had a friend with a, a lunch with a friend yesterday who's super busy and successful. And this is like almost the new drum that I'm going to beat for a while. Like, let's build a life first and then a business and brand around it. Love Not that. let's build a business and brand and then a life that fits into it. Yep. Oh I my gosh, that. that's that. so perfectly put. It's so true. You can totally get lost in the hustle. I mean, especially in these times, not these times regarding like the pandemic, but just these times of our lives. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like you started, well, at least for me, I felt like my 20s, I was like slowly working into the idea of just like going nonstop for as long as I could. And then my 30s were like, oh, these are the years. And now I can feel that like, I'm sure the 40s would be like, okay, how do I settle in and like reap some of the rewards and find a rhythm? Yep. It's very interesting how like, I don't know, that's just my perspective because I can feel the hustle in my blood. And unfortunately, I have to keep myself in check to prioritize, you know, the things that really do matter and the things that actually make you, you know, happy in your core. Yeah. What's tough is the hustle's kind of come to a halt with our kid. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you're in this rhythm, you know, you're just just humming away and then all of a sudden your whole life changes and it's, it's pretty hard to get back into that. Oh my gosh. I'm going to come to you guys for advice because Lori and I are getting real serious right now. So I'm 42. Uh Uh, So I should probably get around to doing this dad thing pretty soon. And uh, so Lori and I are getting real serious this year about finally starting a family. That's another thing that, you know, when, when dad passed away, it kind of changed the dynamic of the family. We realized, oh my gosh, we really are the adults. I just felt like one of the kids up until then. Uh, so I'm coming to you guys for advice around that. Oh Isn't, my goodness. I wish we could give it. <laughs> I need to touch on this because what you just said was, is so interesting to me because I've been thinking this way lately. It is a weird mindset to come into to realize you are the adult now. And like yes. your decisions and what you, like the way you shape your family, the experiences that you provide your family is what your family is at some point, right? Yep. Yep. Instead of just being told what to do or here's what you're going to do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's Lori and I, the last several years, um, we've kind of taken charge of how we want our family. And when I say our family, I mean, my brother, his girlfriend, my parents, all that, um, how we want our family to have experiences. And this goes back to making it a priority, but everything from like renting big Christmas cabins and making it kind of hallmarky to, um, you know, making sure that we bring people out here in California, because I sure as heck I'm not moving back to Wisconsin, uh, to like all of those things. We've just gotten hyper-intentional about how we are going to do family. And when we have kids, that'll obviously carry on. And I'm so excited for that, for that chapter. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, amazing. it's a whole new world. I'm excited for you guys. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in a few with more adulting like a mother father. 
Okie dokie, guys. We are introducing to you Go Macro Kids. Spoke about this before, but, you know, we got to speak about it again because they are just so delicious. Go Macro's brand new kids macro bars are made with simple, responsibly sourced ingredients, providing goodness that both kids and parents can agree on. Okay. Kids macro bars are healthy, delicious, and come in four picky eater approved flavors, chocolate chip cookie dough, peanut butter cup, double chocolate brownie, and oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. These are also Daniela approved flavors because (laughs) not a single box, even though they're made for kids, lasts around our place. And there's only one person that eats those ones and it's her. Okay. Okay. But let me tell you what the best part is. Okay. Go Macro only uses certified organic, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, non-GMO, clean, raw, and soy-free ingredients. And there's no artificial flavors, no high fructose corn syrup, and no harmful additives. So obviously, a better future starts with our kids. And every time you give a child a macro bar, you're sharing the power of sustainability, the importance of giving back, and the joy of a plant-based lifestyle with the next generation. Very, very important. So get your hands on Go Macro's brand new kids macro bars. That's a fun little tongue twister. Mm-hmm. By going to gomacro.com and using our promo code adulting for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. That's right. That's promo code adulting for 30% off plus free shipping on all orders over $50. Gomacro.com. All right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father. So uh, I, I got to ask you this. I got to. I want to keep it real because 30 books in 30 days for anybody is a challenge, right? And you're talking about a book that's 300 pages. I have so many questions. One, how did you find the time and where were you at? Like, what were you doing at that point in time? That allotted for you to do this, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I discovered. Boy, do I waste a lot of time. I, when I knew I was going to do this, I got out the calendar and I cleared everything I possibly could. So I turned down a couple of teaching engagements, uh, like events Um, I was coaching a smaller number of clients at that time. Um, and I was just uh, working with Lori on her brand. And so I probably canceled, let's say 70% of the next month's, uh, schedule, the things that were cancelable in order to fit this in. And sure enough, in the beginning, I started reading and I did that thing where I had to read the same page like two, three times before I could understand what was on it. But somewhere a couple of weeks in, we were in bed again. So, so you could, there's a team here. Instead of doing something romantic, I'm finishing these books in bed every single time. <laughs> and uh, uh, Lori looks over and she goes, are you really reading? And I go, yeah, why? Because for those listening, you can't see, but just picture I'm like speed reading, like going with like this with my hand. And she grabbed the book from me and she goes, tell me what was on that page. And I told her and she goes, oh my gosh, you really are reading that fast. So it only took a couple of weeks to go from the guy who had to read a page, you know, a hundred times to somebody who could literally speed read without really learning how, that's how quickly your brain can adjust when you make something a habit. Sure. So, and it took me anywhere from four to eight hours per day. But here's what I realized. I had cleared out the schedule and thinking it was going to take me all day, every single day. And a couple weeks in, I had so much room because I realized I was wasting time on social media. I was wasting time just doing nothing in between appointments. I was wasting... The amount of time we waste that we are not conscious of is insane. And so of the many, many lessons that came out of reading 30 books in 30 days, one of them was that I am a major time waster. Most of us are. We just don't see it because they're little bits of time, but it, you know, added up into a day. And I did not have to give up near as much time as I thought in order to get those things completed. Interesting. 
Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, I really don't doubt that at all. No, I think if you, like, like you said, there are little bits of time, but if you add up those little bits of time, in most days, that's probably hours and hours of time wasted, right? Yeah, and especially if you get really good at delegating. I had to get good at delegating during that time. Uh, kind of reached a whole new level of delegation in order to, to make this happen. Sure. And if you can put together a good team, learn to delegate, if you can really learn what your personal monetary value is per hour mm-hmm. and use this following rule of thumb when it comes to delegation, if it's not joy producing or if it's not income producing at that hourly number, then you're obligated to delegate it. And I can go into that further if you want. I love it. I'm telling you, like that delegation muscle became so strong because I was forced to in order to fit these books in. So, okay. So at that point you're, you're doing some coaching. Are you still, cause what I read was you were in uh, the banking industry for a while, right? Were you yep. still in a, an executive position there? Or were you totally out of that? World? I was five years out of banking at that point. Okay. So yep. were you so, already assembling a team when you got into this mindset? Yep. Uh, Lori's brand was the primary brand that we had at that time. Okay. And it was a big fitness brand back then. And uh, so we had a team that was supporting that brand and I would run the team and all the pieces behind the scenes cool. while Lori was the forefront figure. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, I know you talk a lot about producing uh, additional uh, revenue streams, right? Additional lines of revenue, um, side hustles, you, you could call them. Yeah. What advice, if any, you know, uh, that's a broad topic, but what advice could you share to our listeners? Like how do they even get started? This is a great question, a great topic. I'm glad you asked it. So we live in a time, and I think it's never been more obvious than this past March when all of a sudden the pandemic hit. We live in a time where you need to have multiple income streams. The impossible is possible. And there's no such thing as a guaranteed revenue or guaranteed income stream. And the rule of thumb for me is this. Uh, Number one, you must build enough income streams and live as though so that if any one of them went away today, you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. Let me repeat that. This one's really important. So it's about having enough streams and keeping an eye on that budget, on the spending, so that even if your biggest one went away today, you wouldn't have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. That's the ultimate goal to get to right there. Not everybody can flip a switch and get there, but that's how your planning should look. That's what you should be working towards. The second rule of thumb for multiple income sources is uh, one of them must be fully in your control, meaning you're not relying on another supplier, another brand, uh, maybe a a network marketing company or something like that. It is from start to finish fully in your control. Uh, Another one from there should be passive. So whether it's uh, rental income or residual income or royalties or something like that. Uh, And then the third rule of thumb is that um, one of them should be um, I'm having a mind blank all of a sudden fully in your control, passive. And the third one escaped my mind, but it'll come to me as we're rambling here. Yeah, and we'll come back to it. So make this black and white for the listeners. What, just give us an example or two of what's something fully in your control. Okay. Uh, if you are a coach, just to use the most simple thing, if you are exchanging your value, your expertise, uh, in exchange for money, that's always going to be within your control. Um, it's not relying on a supplier. It's not relying on a formulator. It's not relying on a supply chain. Um, you know, we, my wife is starting an alcohol company right now and it's super fun. It's super epic, but wow. Are there a million pieces that are not in in your control from the co-packer to the supplier to everything else? There are so many pieces that you are planning on having cohesively worked together. And when one of them is out of whack, it'll cost you 
a ton of money and a ton of time. Yeah. So always have one of them that's fully in your control. Okay. That's great advice. Okay. Um, can you help paint the picture too? Because I don't want people to think uh, you start a side hustle tomorrow, right? And you're in this amazing financial position. Can you just run us through the backstory of your journey and how long it might've taken you or you and your wife to get to the point where, you know, if you had these side hustles and if one went away, you're still living the same lifestyle. Yeah. This is a really important question. Here's where I realized that this was true for me. So a lot of people learned it this past March when jobs went away, went away right? I learned it oh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. Uh, 12, yeah, 11 years ago. So I was in banking, like you referenced, when that last great recession hit. And we were living way beyond our means. Uh, we, I used to make the joke that I'm not spending this year's money, I'm spending next year's money. And it's a horrible joke. And it's an immature joke. But it, what it meant was I could predict next year's promotion and bonus. And when the music stopped, I was left holding a bag full of debt and bad decisions. And so I had to come home and tell Lori, babe, I lost my job. I was the only breadwinner at the time. And so babe, I lost my job. And we've been living way beyond our means. So we have to short sell this great big home that we just built. We have to get rid of the cars. Uh, of all the cars that we had, there's one that we couldn't get rid of because it was so far upside down, it didn't make sense. Like that shows you how dumb of decisions we made. Um, we had to take it as far. You guys ready for this? We had to take it as far as to listing every single piece of furniture, the grills, the couches, the TVs, everything on Craigslist that we had just bought custom for this new home that we built and watch as car after car pulled up in front of the house, couple after couple or person after person marched in through my front door, bargained for the, the picture, bargained for the grill, bargained for the chair and walked out with my belongings as the neighbors looked on judgingly. This was my absolute low point. But the silver lining of a low point is that, man, when you got nothing to lose, you also have the chance to choose again. And I chose that this time I was going to come up with a way that we would never be subject to just one income source. Um, Cause at the time that was my salary, right? We would never be subject to um, not being in control of that income source. We would never be subject to the really poor decision-making that we had made up to that point. And that's when I set out to really start studying everybody who truly has made it in the real way, not the Instagram way, the real way. And studying what kind of decisions do they make? How do they think about money? What do they do with their money? What revenue streams do they have? What businesses do they have? And that's really where I started to come up with this formula around multiple income sources. It became a rule for Lori and I when we were building our comeback that that's how we were going to live. And it just kind of stuck ever since and has been advice that I've doled out. I love that. But I mean, that's the big, in my mind, the biggest part of financial health is discipline, right? Mm -hmm. So you guys created a plan and stuck to it. But I have two questions for you. Um, well, one, I, I just want to highlight, it sounds like when you lost your job, what I really like about the story is that you took very quick, decisive action yeah. to get rid of all these things that you no longer needed and couldn't pay for, right? Yeah. Where I think a lot of people fall into trouble because they try to hold on to things that they should have never had in the first place. And they're just bleeding money month after month after month, right? Yeah, you're spot on. It's actually, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So I'll tell you, there's actually a few steps. If anyone's listening right now and you feel like, oh my gosh, this story is about to be me. You know, I lost my job due to the pandemic or my business is down. I mean, almost everyone's in that boat right now. Then you, are, I know you may feel like you don't have options, but you do have options if you're willing to go to the extreme, like my Craigslist story that I just shared there. Trust me, it was humiliating. It was extreme at the time, but it was worth it. Because here's why. Number one, Stop the bleeding. That's what we did. We just decided 
no more car payments, no more credit cards, no more anything. And we sold what we could sell and we gave, we walked away from rental properties. We gave back what we could give back and we literally stopped the bleeding. That was step one. Then step two was create 12 months runway. I say at least three, but the goal is 12 months runway. And what's runway? It's how long you can be in business or live, pay your bills without bringing new income in. And that's what the Craigslist stepped in. Believe it or not, we had so much stuff that we sold that we were left with a handful of cash that we then went and got a tiny little studio apartment in uptown Minneapolis. And we prepaid that lease for one whole year so that we had the runway to be able to make the business decisions and the financial decisions that we wanted to make for the long term this time. And I can't express to you that when you take that pressure off of you, you actually make really good decisions because you're not making now decisions. You're making future decisions. And a lot of those take, you know, delayed gratification. So step two was build that runway. However, you have to get there. There's things you can do. Then step three was invent new income. And that's what we did. So what did we do at that time? Uh, Lori, who really never had a chance to have a career up till then, because I'd come home every year, sometimes twice a year and say, hey, babe, sell the house. We're moving to Milwaukee. We're moving to Minneapolis, move to Chicago. And, you know, kept moving here every single year. So she didn't really have a chance or a need to do a career. And so this is when she said, I remember we were on a walk and she said, I'm never going to let this happen to us again. I am going to participate, so to speak, in what I've always wanted to do. So that's when she opened up this tiny little gym. And guys, we're talking like a, a basement of a chiropractor office that was not pretty. Trust me, it's not pretty. But that's when she opened up her tiny gym. And that's when we said, wait a minute, how do we also monetize these clients of yours when they can only see you once or twice a week? I know, let's create a monthly fitness plan. That was like the original gangster monthly fitness plans back then. Love it. Um, and uh, then we got into supplements and I took a advisement partnership with a, a mortgage bank at the time. And we just pieced together these new uh, income sources and made good long-term decisions from that moment on. So listen, if you're freaked out right now, if you're in a tough spot, number one, don't worry about what anyone's going to think. I'll tell you, one of the neighbors, Greg, he came over. Is picture like this uh, McMansion type Midwest neighborhood, right? Greg comes over when he sees everyone taking our stuff out the front door. And he says, hey, man, what's going on? And we short sold the home, so there's never really a for sale sign. And I said, well, lost my job. We're getting rid of everything. We're starting over. And he looks at me and he says, don't you know what that's going to do to the home values in this neighborhood? Like, come on, what kind of comment is that? That's kicking someone when they're down. But I didn't care because I knew I was making the right decision. At that point, I finally decided to ditch the ego. And so number one, just stop the bleeding. Stop everything that you're paying for. Stop all the things that you think are important. Stop bleeding. Number two, then go find and create that runway, no matter how you have to do it. And step three, invent those new income sources, slowly working up to that rule of thumb that we shared earlier. Okay. I, I love all of that. So cool. Yeah. I think it's inspiring. I mean, just listening, and I'm sure a lot of listeners were listening, thinking, well, what are, what are those streams for myself? You know, and it, it really kind of poses this question where like, you have to dig deep into who you are, you know, yeah. like, what are my passions? What are the things that are, you know, the low hanging fruit or the things that come easy to me? Or what has someone said to, you, to me? Oh, you should do this. You know, like all of us have, have yeah. so often said no to those opportunities because maybe they weren't consistent or they took too much of our energy. Yep. But in reality, like, 
that is that is the low hanging fruit. Those are the opportunities that probably would come the easiest with a lot of hard work as well. But yeah, and I think what's a bonus like in your story is that you have everybody has things that they think, oh, maybe I should do this at some point. But yeah. a lot of people don't have the confidence to actually go after it. Yeah, when you're at rock bottom, there's no lose but up, right? Rock bottom could be a gift, guys. I know it doesn't feel good. And I'm not going to convince you that it felt good in the time. It felt horrible. But it's a gift if you choose to use it. And if you're sitting there, uh, to your point, wondering what would my side hustle be? What would my first income stream be? Just ask yourself a couple of questions to get that, that mind, that memory jogger going. So ask yourself this question. What are the brand new needs that have been created now that the world has been shifted on its head? Right? I mean, we have seen a brand new set of needs. For example, uh, digital meetings over in-person meetings or somebody who's good at coaching finances because everyone's in financial trouble. So what are the brand new needs that have been created since this pandemic thing showed up? Second question that you ask yourself is what do my current skill sets or past experiences have to do with fulfilling one of these needs? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing you can ask yourself is what is it that I am good at that I take for granted that I think that other people wouldn't want to pay for because the truth is they will pay for what you take for granted because it's when something happens easily for you, it doesn't happen easily for other people. For some people, finances come easy. It makes sense for other people. It keeps them up at night. So whatever comes easy to you that people have asked you, Hey, you should share that. Hey, you should teach it. And you're like, ah, that's not important. Nobody would pay for that. Trust me. People will pay for that. Okay. And it's a form of giving. You know, it sure is. It, it comes snap. It's a gift that you have, right? And you can yep. give those to other people in a way that like feels good for everyone. Yeah. You know, we yeah. all need support. And, and I mean, so just like you said with the financial thing, it's like, I mean, there are so many people I'm sure listening, just soaking this in because I know I am and I wouldn't consider ourselves in any sort of financial trouble right now, which is also why I kind of want to ask this question. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have to get to the very bottom in order for them to like reevaluate their life and, and take a real leap of faith. But for those who maybe aren't at the, the way bottom, but maybe see the bottom and don't yeah. want to get there and they're just keeping themselves afloat. Like what are some like questions they can ask themselves about like, cause, cause kind of how you said, you know, you were just good. Mm-hmm. Like when do you really realize that good is just no longer enough? Oh, I'll tell you what your gut tells you, you, you know, and I don't mean literally you, but you, the listener, you know when you're capable of more. You know when you're living a good life, but you've got the skill sets to live a great life. You know when you're taking 10, 20% off of your efforts on everything. You know when you could be or should be doing something, but you're, you're skipping it on a regular basis. All of these things, it's in your gut feeling. You know it. And I'll be honest, I think that the gap from good to great, when you know that you have greatness inside of you, is a bigger and worse feeling gap than the gap from horrible to wanting to be good. I really believe that. To know that you're capable of a lifestyle, to know that you're capable of something amazing, and to know that you've got the skill sets and, and the plan to get there, but you're not following through, that is one of the worst feelings on the planet. So if that gut is speaking to you, listen to it. Don't be ashamed of it. Decide to start setting an end goal and then build a set of tracks backwards from that end goal. I'll give you an example. Lori and I get together on New Year's Eve every single year. We say no to parties. We say no to everything else. And just the two of us, we get a bunch of sushi, we get champagne, and we choose our end goal for the next year. And then we build a very specific set of tracks 
on how we're going to get to that end goal. And it's one of the most fun things we do. And then we build like a vision board around it to support it. And it's just a really fun night. And I'll tell you the importance of me sharing this is this. Without that set of tracks and without that vision of where you're going, then you are going to just keep kind of treading water in your life that's already good, but the pain point isn't there in order to do what it takes to be great. Because when things are good, that there's not that needle poking you in the back, right? So you don't take as much action as you would is if you really felt that pain point. So you have to manufacture that pain point. You have to really hone in on, I could be doing this. This is my end goal. This is the gap from where I am right now to where I want to be. Manufacture that pain point, create that set of tracks to run on, and then just get into messy action. Yes. I think the key takeaway for me, I think the key takeaway for most people though, is setting the goals. Yeah. Right. Do you have any advice in terms of, of how people can go about doing that other than, I mean, I love the idea of sitting down once a year on New Year's Eve and drawing up a vision board and setting your specific goals. Um, what's some advice to just kick people into action in terms of just setting the goals? It's so powerful to set a goal, uh, one that you believe in, but also one that's a stretch goal. And then to build that set of tracks uh, leading up to it. And this is where I have such trouble answer, a- answering this question. Because on one hand, I want to tell you, well, just make sure you set a goal that is a stretch but attainable. Because that way it'll feel real to you. And then when you build a set of tracks on how to get there, it'll show up. Uh, but then the other part of me is like kicking me in the stomach, as I said, saying, no, dude, set a big audacious goal and then challenge yourself to build a set of tracks, no matter what it might look like, even if you've never done it before, build a set of tracks that might get you to that big, audacious, crazy, almost impossible goal. And I'll share a very personal story. So when we lost everything, the next year we managed to piece together about $200,000 a year worth of income. And uh, my goal, I sat on this front porch of this tiny little studio apartment. My goal, I said, what, do pe- what does it take for people to make a million bucks a year? And if I set that as a goal, how are some crazy, stupid idea ways that maybe I could get there? And I remember I had this notebook and I wrote down a million dollars and then I wrote, okay, well, I could get this much from here and maybe I could make this much from here and maybe Lori could make this much from here. And that very next year, I promise you, was our first million dollar year. No, so this, I, I swear to God. Swear to God. So this whole idea of don't shoot too big, don't choose too big of a goal. Listen, don't be like, how do I make a hundred million bucks this year if you're only making 50 grand? But don't be afraid to really stretch the daylights out of that thing if if you're willing to then play stupid idea time and build that set of tracks on how you could actually get there and tweak it, tweak it, tweak it until it looks like a set of tracks that maybe you could actually run on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my gosh. So, I love that. I was, that was so visual for me. Yes. I, I was visually seeing like the different pots and just seeing how much I can stretch out of this pot and how much I can stretch out of this one and then doing the math and getting there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's one of the most exciting exercises you can actually do, especially if you do it with a, with a partner, with a loved one oh my gosh. and you start to feed off each other. It's super cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. So for the listeners who maybe haven't picked this up yet, you went from losing a job, selling everything, yep. to making 200 grand as a partnership the next year, yep. and then a million dollars in the second year. Yes. Is that accurate? Yep, that's accurate. Congratulations. Wild, man. That is wild. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, it, 
it really took losing the ego. It really took um, being creative. It really took consistency. It really took way more work. Guys, we were selling supplements at that time by putting on like health and wellness meetings in a crappy, either like a VFW hall, whatever we could get for free. Remember, we were broke. So we would find the nicest, cheapest hall or anything we could bring people in. Lori would do this um, presentation on like how to live a healthier life. And then we'd kind of sell some supplements and stuff. It was not pretty. It was not glamorous. It was very humiliating at times, but we freaking kept doing it anyways. I once put on a business meeting where I put out 200 chairs and three people showed up. Do you know what it was like to sit in front of that room and be excited for it and have three people sitting in 200 chairs? I wanted to puke, but I gave those three people everything I have. And that's what it really looks like. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. Um, that's losing the ego. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, ego is, is a funny thing because so many people lead with it that are successful. Um, and it, and it, in some regard, I'm sure works for them, but I feel like at, at our core, like, are you truly, truly happy if you're reaching for something because your ego is leading you? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, that can't yeah. feel that good. It can't be that gratifying at the end of the day. This has been my biggest struggle, like for so much of my life, I was a perfectionist. I was driven from ego. I had to make up the saying, ego is your greatest overhead for myself because ego would cause me to speak up when I shouldn't. And then I'd burn a bridge. Ego would cause me to not speak up when I should. And then I'd miss an opportunity. Ego would back then remember my story. It caused me to buy a house, build a house, buy cars, buy all these things that I shouldn't have been buying yet. When you looked at my finances, I mean, ego has cost me more than any bad business decision in my entire life. And it just took getting to rock bottom. And like that moment with Greg, the neighbor and everything else, it took all those moments to say, I just don't care anymore because it feels like crap to try and keep this up. It actually felt more painful to keep making these bad decisions and to, to sit with those bad decisions I remember coming home, this beautiful home that we built. And when I pulled into the garage, I hated the home because of the, the house payment. Guys, that is not a good place to be. And I can promise you, if you just decide to shed that and operate from a place of not caring about your ego, but coming from a place of service, that very day that you make that switch, everything feels exponentially better. More adulting like a mother father when we come back. All right, guys, if you're like me, um, you like free stuff. And I have a free sample for you guys to try this week um, from OxyClean Odor Blasters. I don't know about you guys, but uh, our place has been getting a little funky uh, because we're doing some working out out in the garage and we're bringing all, obviously, our, our clothes in. Uh, and they're just nasty, at least mine are. Uh, and we've got a couple dogs who, you know, are all around the house and they are also nasty sometimes, but OxyClean has, has done magic for me. Uh, these little odor blasters, they just blast away the funk, uh, that you would imagine is, is in my workout clothes and on the dog's blankets and on the rugs, uh, and everything else that they touch. So if, uh, if you got some of that going on in your life and, uh, you want to rid it with something that's super powerful, uh, and will just blast away that funk. 
Uh, I got something free for you to try. So you've got to try OxyClean Odor Blasters for yourself. To work your magic with OxyClean, go to OxyClean.com slash try me and order a free sample. That's OxyClean.com slash try me, T-R-Y-M-E, for a free odor blaster sample while supplies last. All right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father. Okay, I have a question. So I I totally relate to everything that you're saying. Now, at some point when you feel like you're putting in, you know, the blood, the sweat, the tears, and you are, are, at what point do you feel like it's fair to treat yourself, but not from a place of like, I need this to look a certain way, or it's almost like, and I don't know how to actually like say this without coming off pretentious or coming off wrong. Oh, please say it. I love this topic. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We often talk about things that are silly that we don't need, okay, that we don't really, I I mean, we shouldn't be purchasing and we haven't, but we'll talk about it because sometimes it's that pie in the sky that helps you like reach for bigger things. I call it your carrot. Like never judge another man's carrot. I know it sounds really weird, right? So (laughs) in other words, um, the carrot, you know, the old story of the carrot and the stick and the carrot is what motivates the, the, the donkey to keep going. Whatever your carrot is that gets you out of bed gives you the energy, gets you to start that income producing machine, whatever your form of it is, don't judge that carrot. Let it fuel you, let it motivate you, but don't let it be for ego. Let it be because you know that you'd really enjoy it. So I love nice things. I want to make something really clear here. Um, I've done a great job of shedding the ego, of buying things for ego, but I still love nice things for me. And Lori still loves nice things for her. And so when Lori and I were making our comeback, we started making good money again you could imagine how the old habits wanted to creep back up. So we made this rule for ourselves. We said for uh, any big purchases, if we slept on it for a year and still wanted it, then we could get it unapologetically with no guilt. And that's what we did. Houses, cars, watches, whatever. We made that one year rule. Now that we don't use that one year rule anymore, but for a lot of years we had to, in order to not let the old decision-making creep up. And so it is absolutely okay to like nice things. I love, love, love nice things. Um, we are getting a, we went and got a giant motorhome that we're picking up Thursday. And oh, fun. out here is another giant motorhome that we bought four weeks ago and we're <laughs> training it. So trust me, I love nice things, but we no longer buy them out of ego. We buy them because now Lori and I want to get away because now Lori and I want to like slow down our life because we're buying them for the right reason now. So let that motivate you. Don't apologize for it. If you feel amazing in a bag, if you feel amazing in certain shoes, if you feel amazing in certain clothes, let that fuel you for you, not because you think somebody else might think you're amazing in it. Okay. Okay. So it's really just getting real honest with yourself and making sure that you're asking the questions before you make a decision that could put you in a, in a worse position. You know, if the end goal is really to have success and have multiple streams of income and be able to live comfortably, like, I think you just have to frame it in a way that like puts you in that position ultimately. Yeah. And always make big purchases after you have a year, uh, minimum 12 months runway. If somebody needs a good measurable thing, um, that's, to us, that's a great measurable thing. So your first goal, get 12 months of runway. After that, anything excess of that, as long as you're funding your future retirement accounts, uh-huh. then feel free to spend some money and reward yourself. That's great. Here's a, here's a technical question for you. What do you do with assets that you want that appreciate? So right now in your head, it's a million bucks, but next year after you've sat on it, it's 1.5. Do you have to wait another 12 months? 
Oh, because now it's going to cost you more. <laughs> no, if you if you waited out one year and you're ready uh -huh. to pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Okay. But I was talking about like cars and watches. If it's like a house that's going to appreciate or something that's going to go up, don't be afraid to to pull that trigger at, from an investment standpoint, not from a ego standpoint. Okay, sure. love that. Sure. Uh, man, the more wow. you talk, the more questions I have. A very important one that's at the top of my head right now is: Have you guys chartered a jet? To yes. go back and say hi to, to Greg, the neighbor. <laughs> no, you know what? I've got no ill will towards him because it's actually a great part of that development. Like that was a moment that was so humiliating for me that it was part of me being able to say that's it. Enough is enough. So I actually, in a weird way, it's a gift, right? And, and that perspective only comes after doing a bunch of, of self-development. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm fun it's funny you asked about the charter a jet thing. Um, Tell us you no, 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 no. So I've always thought that was the biggest waste of money ever. And okay. we, my wife and I, despite where we are financially, had never, ever, 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 ever been on a private jet until dad died. And I had no other way to get home in a matter of a few hours. Um, and, and I had no choice but to charter one for Lori and I, my brother and his girlfriend and our two massive dogs. We have huge dogs. Wow. And so... Um, because it's COVID, there were no other flights out. We couldn't bring the dogs. We we're actually up in Big Bear in the mountains when I got the phone call. And in a matter of, this is the importance of like setting yourself up financially. Yeah. I got the phone call at eight in the morning um, while Lori and I were on a hike in Big Bear. We were in Santa Monica um, on the runway, wheels up at noon and home a few hours after that wow. during a time when there were no flights because we had the ability to do that. And so I think it's a great example of you see everybody out there flying in private jets and all this other stuff. Don't get caught up in doing those types of things unless for some reason it's only for you. If it's only for you, great. For Lori and I, it wasn't only for us until it became a tool and until it became a, a necessity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you're open to it, I know people love credentials. People love success stories. Yeah. Can you, I mean, again, if you're open, would you open share book. a little bit with our listeners about where you guys are at now financially, maybe some big wins, some big things you guys have done along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as of right now, we have ownership of or in eight different seven and eight figure companies. And that also means eight different uh, revenue streams that we have coming in right now. We're living by that rule of thumb that we talked about. Our big goal is we have never solely on our own built and sold a company for acquisition. I sold uh, my partnership uh, in a mortgage bank, but that wasn't solely. My partner was the primary partner and I was just a minority partner. I sold to him. So Lori's alcohol company that she's building, it's called Light Pink, L-I-T-E. Um, I'm so excited about it. That is our big audacious goal. We want to build that thing, sell it for acquisition, and it has a really cool give back component in the meantime. So that's, that's where we're at right now. Awesome. That is awesome. super, super cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Two more things I have to ask. I have to get these out. One, when you were in the banking industry and then transitioned out, had you had selling experience in that industry or is that something you had to learn? Because it sounds to me like you had to learn how to sell and that was probably a big component of becoming successful on your own. Yeah. Great story. So I was booted out of college after two and a half years, literally asked to not come back. And to make matters worse, it was one of those private colleges where they let anyone in if you're willing to pay the tuition. <laughs> And uh, so two and a half years in of partying and, and just causing trouble, they said, you're not welcome back here. And my parents were devastated, but I was excited because I just wanted to be able to participate in the economy. And I went and I got a job. This is Green Bay, Wisconsin, guys. I went and I got a job 
at this Ford Lincoln Mercury dealership because I loved cars. And it was there that they taught me two things, sales and leadership. And if you can learn sales and leadership, I feel like you can write your own ticket, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're working for someone else, doesn't matter. You can write your own ticket when you polish those skills. And that's where I started to learn sales. And then I furthered that when I got into banking, because guys, banking is really just a giant sales career. It really is. Um, and that has been able to been one of our superpowers, whether it's e-courses, whether it's supplements, whether it's uh, memberships, whether it, whatever it is, that's been one of our superpowers is being able to lean on those, those sales abilities up through this moment right now. Love it. Love it. You also touched on, um, again, when you went off on your own, you were studying the, the, basically the greats, the people who had done it before you and had been really successful. So for our listeners, other than listening to this episode and now following your life, your journey, journey, your journey and your, your podcast advice, and all the things. That who, who else, like, who did you look at for advice? Uh, okay. So they're guys and gals that you would actually never know, believe it or not. Uh, when looking back on my journey, um, there were local people that were really conservative in real estate. There were people that were building businesses and selling them. There were people like people that, Here's the rule of thumb I start to realize in life. Now, not everybody. This is a broad stroke of the brush. But I think the flashiest, loudest people are actually doing the least. And the most truly financially successful people, they're the quietest. You don't even see or hear of them unless someone tells you a story about them. Yeah. So, you know, it's people like I would name Darren, but you guys won't know who Darren is. He's got a $200 million company. A guy named Matt. He's got six hundred. It's people like that that I'm learning from and that I'm really tapping into right now. Yeah. Makes me think of Buffett. Guys lived in the same house for totally forty years, something like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you know who I love? Okay, here's a name people recognize: uh, Jesse Itzler and Sarah Blakely. Um, they, she's the founder of Spanx. Yes. Oh. And, okay. Yep. And he's uh, and he did like Zico and all those. Amazing couple. Love them to death. And just, now she solely owns Spanx still by herself. No investors yet. That's wild. And it's three, four billion dollars. Okay. Yet. I still see them on regular airplanes. They just bought an RV that is your everyday RV. They didn't go out and get the million dollar bus. Um, they've got a beautiful home, but nothing like you know, what they could. Watching individuals like that, to your point, where you said, you know, people like Buffett and everybody else, people start making decisions once you've really made it, made it on what they want in life, not what they want other people to see in life. And so it's following people like them that, that really inspired me now. Okay. I love that, man. I love that. Yeah, lot. that's powerful, especially in this day and age where like, you know, some of our younger listeners are really any age at this point or on social media all day, every day, seeing things constantly in their face of things that they want or can't afford or you know, most, of the, most that, of the time they can't, you know, the people yeah. they see can't really afford them themselves. Yep. Um, it's a trippy reality that we live in. And, and honestly, it comes back to just the basics, like, what is it that you really, really want? If those are the things that you really, really want, and that's going to make you happy, you know, how are you going to carve out that lane to get there? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a, it's a social media thing. It's a rabbit hole because. It really is. It's, I, it's a pandemic in itself. Now, listen, <laughs> I love social media. It's done a lot of good for us. It's done a lot of good for you guys. It's, it's a beautiful tool, right? And it's a great way to share knowledge. But I will also say, I think it's one of the biggest causes of depression one of the biggest causes of comparison, one of the biggest causes of mismanagement of money, because people see 
this very select few showing off whatever they can show off. And then whether they can really afford it or not, by the way, in most cases they can't, or they bought it too early, just like my story way back when. And then they think that's the pinnacle of success. They think, well, I'm successful when I drive a blank. I'm successful when my home looks like blank. And they start reaching for these things. And it's different than what we were talking about before. If these things drive you for you, because you know you're going to love them, great. But if these things are driving you because you think it's a mark of I got there or I got to show mine on Instagram or whatever, that's where your things are going to start falling apart for you and you're going to start making really bad decisions. So yeah, social media is such a double-edged sword. And I think that if you can just be conscious of it and know why you're using it, in fact, I love putting stuff out on social media. I'm not a big consumer. I was just about to say that. I I live by that theory, actually. I'm a big creator and I don't even create very much recently because I haven't felt like it has to come from within. Like I'm not going to put things out just because. Um, But yeah, I mean, I believe in creating and using it as a, it's a great tool. I mean, in what world, who would have thought, you know, that we would be living in a place where you can reach X amount of people at Mm -hmm. any given second and, you know, get a message out or encourage people to do X, Y, and Z. But the consuming is where I feel like it doesn't always, it doesn't really sit well with me all the time, mm-hmm. unless it's the right content. And you just have to be very um, careful about that. You have to know yourself very well and know what's going to trigger you or what's going to ignite some sort of inspiration or fire under you um, and set yourself up for success. Guys, social media, I couldn't agree with you more. It even makes me feel bad. It makes Lori feel bad. Like no matter where you are, I don't know if you've ever had these moments, but if you're always comparing yourself out to what looks shinier out there, then all you're concentrating on is the gap from where you are right now to this gap of what, you know, to this point of where somebody else is. And that's a, that's a bad gap to concentrate on. I want you to just simply concentrate on where you want to go for your own self and what that set of tracks looks like to get there. And if, if you use social media to inspire you, if you love searching hashtags on like, I love Becky Owens homes. I don't know if you've ever checked that out. Yes, They're amazing. Of course. Right. Like if, if you use that stuff to inspire you, awesome. But if yeah. you see someone driving around their Lamborghinis or their jets or their this or that, that, and you let that make you feel bad, then it's time to make sure you unfollow those individuals or tune that stuff out of your consumption. Oh, such good advice. Yeah. Such good advice. Easier said than done, but I hope that it, it plants a little seed. And, and it, I mean, it certainly planted a seed in my head because I know there's a few that I can definitely um, ignore or, you know, yeah. do a little unfold. You know, it's an interesting concept, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of this, but there is always going to have to be a portion of people who are, are strictly consumers because without them, of course. right, you don't see the success that you do on social media. Same with her, you know, same with my, my limited bit. Yep. Um, but like not everybody can just be, uh, I guess, a content producer and then sit back because without the people actually consuming it, yep. there's nothing there. It's true. But, but we could also all be both. Like we just yeah. talked about Becky Owens homes. We both love that. So we consume that content while yeah. also creating a different type of content for other people. I really think that's how the world's supposed to go around. Like if you can contribute your part and then consume what you're meant to consume, that is that perfect circle of how the world's supposed to work in the economy, in social media, in yeah. life, in relationships, in everything. It's just that perfect circle of I'm going to give what I was meant to give. And I'm going to consume what I was meant to consume. As long as everyone keeps doing both parts, everything runs great. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So true. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. I'm so glad that we had a chance to really talk in person. Well, I was going to say in person. but this Yeah. Is- this is the new version of person. <laughs> 
Um, we would love to meet your wife at some point. She sounds, or at least I feel like she sounds amazing. She what does. She is. She is the way better half of me. I would absolutely love that. Oh, well, thank you for coming on the show. Is that, is, do you feel like we yeah. exhausted Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, I could go all day, but we'll just have to, uh, next time you and Bill go to the stairs. Yes. Oh. You'll have to let me know. You are always welcome. That is, oh, they've got them all blocked off right now, but yeah, that was our, our Sunday morning workout of choice. We were actually preparing for this thing called 29029, where it's the equivalent of like an Everest climb by going up the mountain like 17 times. Cool. And uh, then it got canceled for obvious reasons, but that's what we were getting ready for. So we're totally down for that. Is that a real thing? If you go up the Santa Monica stairs 17 times, that's... Oh, no, 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 no. So that's, that's what we're using for training. There's oh. an actual mountain um, that you go up and down 17 to 20 times. Oh, my gosh. And oh. it's this big event. It's put on by Jesse Itzler, and it's called 29029, which is a number of feet to the top of Everest. And that's, yeah, they give you like 36 hours to do it. It's grueling. Oh my gosh, 36 hours of stairs? Yep, yep. And a tent <laughs> to sleep in if you need a break. Oh my goodness. Dude, I would have the best calves in all of LA. After oh yeah, for sure. No calf implant needed after that. <laughs> oh man, well, thank you again for joining us. Um, please feel free to, to plug whatever you want to feel. We, we want everyone to just follow you and show you and your wife some love. Uh, well, thank you for that. Thanks for having me on. It means the world. Got nothing to plug. If you just want to follow me on Instagram at Chris W. Harder, I've always made a promise to answer everyone's business questions that DM me on there. So Awesome. Cool. Thank awesome. you for doing that. Yeah, my oh, pleasure. Goodness. Well, enjoy whatever trip you take with your wife. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that's our new gig, our being across it. the country. Good for uh, you. All right. Cool. Well, have a good one. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, yeah. Chris. <laughs> Bye-bye. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in a few with more adulting like a mother father. Hi guys, I'm Bella Benson. Welcome to another episode with me on Too Tired to Be Crazy. Transfers all of the saliva into my mouth. So I just have to keep swallowing, trying to swallow it as his tongue is just like doing its thing like all the way down my throat. Mortified. Like I wasn't scared anymore to admit what I need and to ask for what I need. And I just feel like it's like a whole new dating chapter for me, honestly. I typed in you, and instead of going to YouTube, it went to you porn. Be sure to check out Too Tired to Be Crazy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast One. All right, guys, we're back. Here's adulting like a mother father. Okay, we're back. So how does that make you feel? I know we didn't technically get to re-listen and relive it, but like think back to the way we felt after that. And we were just like, okay, what are the goals? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Where can we like increase, you know? It was just an energizing conversation. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like refocuses you back on uh, like what you want to accomplish and how you can get there. I love that him and his wife, Lori, they create basically their end goals and they work backwards to figure out how they're going to get there from that. Mm -hmm. And I found that... um, especially if you're an entrepreneur organization is like the key to to success and, and goal setting. So if you don't even have a goal, like even have something that you're, you know, maybe you have something in your mind, but if it's not written down and you see it every day, like you're just kind of shooting in the dark, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So they set very clear goals and they figure out the exact steps that they're going to take with their team to get there in the end. And I thought that was really cool. The biggest takeaway that I took from that was having multiple streams of income, which I think is just so key for all of us, no matter what, um, 
I guess, industry or what interests you. Like there's other ways that we can like create income. I mean, everyone has the, not necessarily the, the tools, but like you can learn about investing, which right then and there is another stream of, you know, income. Yep. But anyways, that, that was something I thought was really interesting. And a very simple idea for anybody looking to, to create another stream is, you know, you got your day job, which you're active in every single day. I would say the the easiest next thing is to go invest in a stock that pays a decent dividend mm-hmm. and you're going to get a, a quarterly dividend. All you, you've done nothing but, uh, make the transaction of buying that stock. And then you literally hold it in your, your brokerage account, which could be like TD Ameritrade fidelity. Like there's a bunch of them out there mm-hmm. and you do nothing. And then you hopefully you made a good pick and the, the price of the stock appreciates, which means it goes up. And then every quarter they pay you, X amount and dividend. And then that just gets reinvested into the, you know, the, basically the investment that you put into that stock. And over time it grows and grows and grows and grows and you're doing nothing. So cool. I love it all. I love it all. Um, well, good chat. Um, I feel like we took up a, enough of everyone's time <laughs> <laughs> talking about all the things. Um, maybe we'll dive deeper into other things. I don't know, conversations we sort of touched on earlier, but I think ultimately where we're at today feels good. Things feel like we're in a good place. Like I said before, business is good. Relationship is, we're figuring things out. Geo is good. I'll work on my mom watching Geo Mm. so that I could take a deep breath for more than 15 minutes. Um, And then that's it. Yep. Good times, everyone. Okay. Great times. Look, if <laughs> if there's anything in your life that you want to improve on, whether it's your money game, relationship, whatever, you can always, always, always go back to the intro for this podcast and just pick the left foot up, pick the right foot up, up and, and put, put it in front, front of, of the, the left. left and do it over and over again. You'll be ahead of the rest. Okay. Now let and me introduce we're you to out. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. We miss you and we can't wait until next week, right? Right. Can't wait. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adulting Like a Mother Father. New shows drop every Tuesday on the Direct Message Network on Podcast One.